everyone, and welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect our favorite music, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, pop open a cold one, and let the debate begin. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Debating Metal. I am Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and each week, along with my essential co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the hard rock and heavy metal bands we all know and love. Each week, we also discuss some bands and albums you may not know that you should definitely be listening to, as well as giving you our big four on various bands, albums, musicians, etc. And this week on episode 17, we'll be battling it out to determine once and for all which era of Van Halen is better. Dave or Sammy. And later in the episode, you wanted the best, you got the best, with this week's big four Van Halen songs, as chosen by us. And along with that, you got another What Should You Be Listening To? But before we begin, let's recap what we discussed last week on episode 16. Last week, we spoke about metal in the new millennium. If you missed last week's episode or any of the previous ones, be sure to stream or download all our episodes from your favorite podcast platforms like Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. And please don't forget to rate us or leave a review. Chris, what was our big four last week? Last week we picked a really fun one when we did our big four Mount Rushmore. To check out our list, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and let us know if you liked our picks or you think you can do better. Uh, Once again, let's start things off with what should you be listening to? Kenneth, why don't you start us off? Okay, I will start us off with something old, as I always do. I always pick something out of the out of the archives, and this week I'm picking Armored Saint, Symbol of Salvation. It is their 1991 album. It was recorded after the death of Dave Pritchard, and it was basically recorded in honor of Dave Pritchard because they had all these really cool songs. Brian Slagle from the from Metal Blade Records, he went up to them and said, hey guys, you got a bunch of cool songs here. You need to put them out. And they uh, they recruited... Another guitar player, Jeff Duncan, who basically was the permanent replacement for Dave Pritchard. Uh, he was a friend of theirs, and they uh, they recorded Symbol of Salvation. It is an excellent album. It is one of these albums where it kind of got lost in the shuffle. There wasn't a lot of promotion behind it. Um, Metal Blade did everything they could, but Armored Saint kind of got lost in the whole grunge change in 1991. And right after the album came out, actually probably... 91 a year and a half later maybe less than that john bush left to join anthrax as their new vocalist so things kind of went south for armored saint real quick after that but then somewhere in the middle of it uh towards the end of the millennium they reunited again john stayed with anthrax but he also was recording with armored saint at the same time so this album is really cool it's got some really great songs on it. It's, I mean, there's not much else I can say about it other than go out, get yourself a copy, listen to it, and you will not be disappointed. Chris, what do you have? Uh, this week I picked a uh, new release, as I tend to do. <laughs> um, Christian Moisner, the uh, former guitarist and now new guitarist, again, for Obscura, uh, released his third solo album, Path of the Hero. I really like it. It's it's a little bit closer to the first album. So he started off his first album with some really bright tunes, almost stuff that could be in a in a fantasy story. Like when you're listening to it, you you just kind of it brings a lot of imagery. And the second one was a little darker tone, and this one kind of brings back that brighter tone that that was in the first album. He is an amazing guitarist amazing musician and even more so he has a uh, neurological condition called uh, focal dystonia that's affecting his hand and you would not be able to tell this guy is a phenomenal guitarist with super intricate uh, rhythms he just it, it, you, he doesn't let it affect him and I was lucky enough to see him a few years back with a friend of mine. We sat really close. I got to watch him before he stopped touring for a while. But now he's rejoined Obscura, and he's going to be putting out their next album with him. So what an amazing guy. It's it's 
it's a great album. Check it out and definitely support musicians like this. Awesome. So when when you went to see Obscure, he was the guitar player? He was. All right, that's awesome. That's cool. Good to hear that he's back. All right, well, this week we have kind of a continuation of what we did last week with the head-to-head battle that we had. Sammy versus Dave, Dave versus Sammy, Van Halen, which era was better? You know, let's start it off by this. I am a David Lee Roth guy. You are a Sammy Hagar guy. But don't be mistaken, I am a fan of the Sammy era. Uh, I was a big defender of the Sammy era back in the day growing up in New York. And I like both as well. I mean, I I used to, back in the days of making mixed CDs and mixed tapes, I used to make the best of David Lee Roth and the best of, of Sammy Hagar. But I grew up during the Sammy era, and to me, that was always the the, the, the most prolific, I guess. The most recognizable to me was, was the Sammy era. Right. Similar for me. I mean, the first album I got from Van Halen was Van Halen 2. I mistakenly bought that one thinking it was Van Halen 1. <laughs> you know, listened through 10 songs. I'm like, where the hell is Eruption and where the hell is you really got me? But it was it was definitely an eye-opener to see how great a band Van Halen was. Now, again, not to take away from Sammy, the, the two eras are distinctly different. I mean, it's like you press stop on the record button when Dave, when Dave left and you you basically put in a brand new tape and and hit record with Sammy and it was just two completely separate eras two completely different i mean it was almost a different sound to it, it was but part. i i i always felt like 1984 kind of led into what the the next era would be i mean those things that Dave didn't like about 1984 were the continuations that carried over and in, into the next albums. You could say it. It was keyboards. You could say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. And Dave didn't like the keyboard sound. But what's funny is <clears throat> the first thing he does when he goes solo is the the California Girls single that was basically all keyboard driven to some degree. I mean, it yeah, was. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me, but. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Dave was is is a peculiar fellow, put it that way. <laughs> Say the least, yeah. So, my argument for 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 Van Halen being better with Dave <clears throat> is is to me the songs as a, as a collective are more upbeat, more up tempo, more, for lack of a better term, more party oriented, and. To me, I like that better than the more serious, more mature vocals and lyrics that Sammy brought to Van Halen. Um, I mean, I I definitely understand that. I, what I like about what Sammy had in the band was he brought that dimension to it, whereas Fifty One Fifty. You saying you know they were more party before that fifty one fifty was all party, the whole album. Yeah, it was, it, but, it was, but they you, you could tell the the lyrics were different, even though they were party lyrics. I mean, there's a complete difference in con- I mean, a contrasting difference between Sammy's party lyrics and Dave's party lyrics. Oh yeah, but what what I also like is that Sammy could do all of those songs and he he did justice to them. All of what 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 Dave brought to the table, and he sang them better. I mean, in reality, his live performances are definitely better. I'm not going to take then, anything away from from Sammy in that regard. Sammy is an amazing vocalist. Sammy is 73 years old. Okay, mm-hmm. and you could tell on these on these um, coronavirus sessions that they're doing on uh, with the circle what, that he's doing with the circle on on the internet. You can tell he's he lost a little bit of his voice. Uh, he doesn't do the high register that he used to do as often, and you know that's that's typical. I mean, he's seventy three years old. Damn it, you know he's pretty pretty up there, but he still can belt out a song, and I'll never take that away from him. So yeah. he he you know I mean Dave cannot do what he did back in the day. So the, Sam can probably still do Dave stuff, you know, and Dave can't and Dave even do can't Dave, do Dave stuff. stuff. <laughs> 
um, but but no one ever said Dave was a great live uh, singer. He was a great live performer. Right. I mean, he put on a great show. He was a he was a showman. You know, waving a sword around, waving flag around, waving his two know, ass jumping. cheeks around. <laughs> yeah. But what's what what I was getting at was was that Sammy brought this dimension where it, they could do mature stuff they could do party stuff they could do a, a cool jazzier song they could do the all the things that that eddie wanted to do musically too and then they also had another dimension of, of sammy is also a guitarist so they they could do songs with multiple guitars they could do you know and then, and they had sammy's catalog too brought in i i remember the first song that i heard that i can remember at least that I knew was Van Halen was on Live Without a Net. They come out to uh, There's Only One Way to Rock. And that's a Sammy song, not from the era or the Van Halen era, but a Sammy Hagar song. Right. But solo song. But when, but when Eddie's playing on it, it becomes a Van Halen song. Oh, I mean, yeah. Eddie does some amazing runs and licks in that song that, that totally made it a Van Halen song. But if I'm not mistaken, they did drop the Sammy songs once they got to OU812. For the most part, uh, but they still played some, like, even even when they got to um, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, mm -hmm. um, they, when they did their live album, uh, which they, man, what was that called? Um, oh, li Live Without a Net? Oh, no. Um, no. You're talking, uh, that was the video. Yeah. Uh, yeah, live right here, right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, live right here, right now. They were still doing a, a, a Sammy song. They were still doing, you know, st like they did "Give to Live," which was off of "I Never Said Goodbye," which was a, a Sammy album. Right. Uh, and then I want to say they they did another one that were, appeared on the. No, I'm looking at the list right now. They did "Give to Live" and they did "One Way to Rock." But that one was way the, to rock. Those are the yeah. only songs they did from Sammy. Yeah. From his solo but, time. But they still played from time to time. They still played When Eagles Fly. Mm -hmm. So there, it, it wasn't like they completely nixed his songs out of those albums. I mean, out of those tours. They still played his songs because, you know, basically every member of the band did uh, a solo portion right. of, 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 of the uh, concert. And so, you know, you had the Eddie guitar solo. You had the Alex drum solo. You had the Michael ultra bass and then you had Sammy playing one of his songs, usually. Right. Yeah, looking at the list here of the songs, um, they played, actually, they only played uh, three or four old Van Halen songs or the Dave era Van Halen songs, uh, which were the typical ones. It was uh, Jump, You Really Got Me, Panama, and uh, Ain't Talking About Love. Everything else was a Sammy era song or a Sammy solo song or a Who song. You won't get fooled again. And oh, and then I'm looking here that they did Eagles Fly on the Japanese version. It was it was released on there? Oh, okay. So so yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't disagree with you when it comes to how much better Sammy was than Dave as far as as being a singer, a musician, a songwriter, a lyricist. When you're gonna when you put them down side by side like that, I mean, Sammy will blow David Lee Roth off the stage every time but when you take it as a collective and you listen to all the songs and you hear the the, the catalog that van halen put together with those first six albums it's it's hard to compete against that because it was such a prolific period of time for van I'll, halen I'll, I'll definitely give you that the 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 catalog the actual songs that came out of that period were overall better but that's not necessarily David that that caused that. No, that's that. I mean, the, the songs that, you know, they brought to the table. I mean, Eddie's the songwriter for the most part. Yeah. You know? For the song itself. Yes. Yeah. And and so but, but but the band is a band, you know, everybody's a contributor. Everybody has a has a has a part in that. And David's showmanship and and, you know, I mean, the, the recordings are great. His singing is awesome on the recording. I, I, I love those albums. But I don't. I don't necessarily know if it just being that like that time period because every every band those first few albums that they release we've talked about this before they're like really raw. This is the stuff they've been writing their whole lives. They've they've reached that you know that 
that time when they're finally getting it out and they've got the motion behind it, that's that's just going to happen. So anybody that came afterwards doesn't have that same benefit. I mean, Sammy had been a musician for for quite a while. I mean, he'd been with Montrose. He was with uh, uh, or did solo stuff, and then he was with Van Halen. And then everything that that Van Halen did when they first released those are their first releases. I mean, with 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 Dave. Right. I mean, I, you get that. Everyone, you know, everyone has their entire life to make their first album. I get that. But, you know, you have to come up with something new for the second, third, fourth, and fifth album. Very, very seldom do you have a band like Iron Maiden that has five, six songs in a can already that they've been playing for three years ready for, to go for your second album. I mean, it, it's very rare. And even rarer that the, the first eight albums are pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. They got ten studio albums with Sam, between Sammy and Dave, six and four, and all of them are platinum. Uh, all of them are multi-platinum. Forget that. Are you're, you are you forgetting um, the the seventh? Oh, the, Dave album. The, the, that's right, the seventh thing. I forgot about that one. Yes, um, it went gold in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm forgetting about that because to me that's an that's an afterthought. You know, I, you can't compare it in terms of record sales because at that time record sales were were in the toilet across the board. Even then, a lot of those songs were leftover riffs from the 70s and 80s uh, Dave era Van Halen. So I still it, like that album. It, I still think it's a good album. It's not a bad album, but it's not any of the worst of the six original albums. So it, it would be number seven. If you're going to rank them, to me, it would be number seven. I think it's it's pretty on par with Diver Down. I mean, Diver Down is just a cover album for the most part. Yeah, unfortunately. Even the songs that were new on Diver Down are probably better than the songs that, that are on A Different Kind of Truth. I don't know. She's the Woman is is a great song. Now we're arguing, and now I'm arguing <laughs> for Dave. Yeah. <laughs> what I liked about Dave, I, I liked the showmanship. And, and don't get me wrong, because Sammy, Sammy's a good front man, but he wasn't Dave as a front man. No, um, he, I don't think he could do those kicks. No, but even even without the kicks, I mean, there was something about Dave was the the host. He was the entertainer. He was the uh, uh, master of ceremonies, if you will. And yeah, a lot like what uh, Bruce Dickinson does now when you go see an Iron Maiden show. Yet much less ridiculous. Because and, and I'm talking about Bruce is much less ridiculous than Dave. <laughs> uh, Bruce doesn't show his ass off. <laughs> No, but but I mean, he commands the audience. Oh yeah, no, he, for sure. He guides, like he he tells you what you're doing, basically. Right, no, for sure. But Dave, he was the MC, and he was the one who basically entertained. And, and I'm not. That's not to say that that Eddie wasn't entertaining or Michael Anthony wasn't entertaining. They they were because as a collective, they put on a great show. The amount of amps and speakers that they put behind them, you know, to to make it look like this giant wall of sound. I mean, that was impressive. It changed when, when, when they went to Sammy. I mean, I watched Live Without a Net a few weeks ago. Nothing wrong with, with the songs, nothing wrong with the concert, but there's a flow to a concert that you have. You know, you got typically you have the upbeat, fast song as your first song, and then you got a good mid tempo rocker right after that. You go into some of the more steady or slower songs in the middle, you know, towards the end, you come back, you start rising the blood pressure again. And, you know, you end with something, you know, that everyone, you know, the, the anthem that everyone sings along to, or, or that, uh, you know, is, is the, the, the big, everyone wants to hear song. That was all 15, 20 songs of Van Halen would do from beginning to end until they got to 1984 when they released really what we, you would consider their first ballad, which was... Um, Talking about I'll Wait? I'll Wait, yeah. So that was really their first Written ballad. Written by Michael McDonald. <laughs> okay, I had a joke for that and I just lost it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 not your fault. I just I wasn't, wasn't going to do it. Anyway, that w Van Halen was basically one steady, up-tempo rock concert from beginning to end whereas with sammy they were the up and the, the, the ebbs and flows of a concert um and that's there's nothing wrong with that they had songs like when love walks in 
or right now, all the slow ballads that they had that were their big singles, that changes the mood of the concert. But that also changes your crowd. You have more of the women coming to your show because they want to see the love song. They want to see the sappy song and they want to hug their boyfriend or girlfriend or, or husband or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Why Can't This Be Love was a huge hit. You know, and, love and, walks in. Um, right. I mean, yeah. uh, but and Why Can't This Be Love wasn't a sappy song. Uh, I like to call that song the giggle stick song because of the keyboards in it. It was a really cool, catchy song. Mm-hmm. Unlike anything that they did in the Dave era. And that's because Sammy allowed it, I guess you could say. You know, they had, you know, it, Dave and Eddie had their differences as to the direction of the music. That's pretty I would say it was, it, was a, it was kind of a continuation of what they were doing with Jump to a degree. I mean, it's more of a lovey song, but... But very key, I mean, keyboardy, keyboard, you know, that's, that's all it was. was oh, keyboard. yeah, for sure. You, you've you got that Love Walks In is, is a big single form. It's a ballad, which is it's an even slower ballad than I'll Wait from 1984. So it, it, it went further down the line. I mean, mm-hmm. coming out in 1986, that was the height of those kinds of pop power ballads that were being released that would go on for the next five years, six years from all those pop metal bands. You know, then OU812 comes out in, in 88. And I have to say, as much as I like Van Halen, to me, that's the most, that, that was a relatively disappointing album for me. Especially It's, com- it's honestly my least favorite um, of, the, of the, the Sammy era and one of my least favorite Van Halen albums as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It has its moments, but the moments are not the up-tempo moments. I mean, they have When It's Love. They have Cabo Wabo. Cabo's a cool song, but if you think about it, it's really a slow, sludgy, groovy kind of song. It's cool, but it, you know, it's one of those things that's going to drag a concert down. Yeah. I, I think it was a misstep as a whole. Even the name of the album, I think, was a misstep. It's, you know, OU812 is a as a rib to David Lee Roth, who had released Eat Him and Smile. To me, it was a huge step down. It was a disappointment because I was such a big fan of 5150. Luckily, they improved things with For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, but staying on OU812, I just... There was a few songs that were really likable. I think um, I think that uh, When It's Love was, was just such a big hit. It's what, really what carried the album. Oh, for sure. I mean that that's going to be the, the the classic off that that album, you know, when it's love. I mean that, and to me that song is what carried Van Halen through up until they came out with For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. There's nothing there that's as big as that song. It yeah. it was a, it was a like I mean if you look at the songs it feels so good. Okay, that was a hit single, but not as big as When It's Love. You know, but it had that goofy little giggly keyboard uh, on. On feel so good. Finish what you started. You know, it's a groovy song, but it's nothing that's you know you're gonna sit there and say, oh, this is amazing. I'm gonna go run out and buy you know a single. You know, as soon as you hear it, it's not one of those kinds of songs. Neither is Black and Blue. I mean, Black and Blue is the lead single off that that album, really. <laughs> so, um, it it has its moments. I mean, AFU. Really cool song. It starts off really, it's promising, and then it kind of just loses its focus, and it kind of goes into the chorus, and it's, yeah, it's upbeat, and then it slows down, and it's upbeat, and it slows down. It's kind of like, what do you want to do with this song? As, as cool as it was, it kind of was disappointing. Pretty much, that was the epitome of the whole album. Yeah. For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, and I have, t- I have trouble saying that, that, <laughs> that, that whole title. It, it, to me, is a much better album. I agree with you. Um, I like, as a package, I like the songs better. Pound Cake, Run Around, you know, uh, Top of the World, Right Top Now. Top of the World, Right Now, Spanked. That was a great song. Yeah. I mean, I love Pound Cake. I think that's a really cool song. But I'm one of those kinds of guys that likes those heavy pounding, those heavy drum pounding songs. Yeah. I mean, what I like about Sammy's era of the band, I mean, and this album is a great example, is that they still had the the kind of childish double entendre, but the songwriting, the sound was more mature, 
And then they had those moments that were, you know, those the boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, singing, swinging together songs, you know. Yeah. And and, and so there was this there's there's just so much more variety in what he did. That's exactly what it is. But that's why I prefer the Dave era stuff, because when I go to a concert, I want to be. You know, I, I want it to be 100% all the time. I know that I, I'm not going to get that from every band. I know if I go to see... You'll Van- get it from Slayer. <laughs> yes, you'll get it from Slayer. I mean, you don't even get that from Metallica. You don't get that from Anthrax. But you do get it from Slayer. Uh, and you do get it from Testament. But, you know, from from Van Halen, when you think about those old concerts and the songs that they put together, I mean, it, it was 100% the whole time. I think the only time it really slowed down was when Eddie decided to do a, a guitar solo or, or Michael was doing his bass solo. Because, the slow, like I said, the slowest song that they put out was I'll Wait and Jump wasn't that much faster. It was a cool song. But when you think about the basicness of Jump, it's kind of weird. I mean, I can under, I could see why David had a, a creative difference with that song. It is so basic. The video is basic, but the song itself is so basic. Not in terms of songwriting, but I mean, if you listen to the lyrics. The lyrics are shit, and that's that's Dave's fault. I mean, you listen to it now. He doesn't even know where he's going with that. It's a catchy song. Might as well jump. I don't know. It's a catchy song, but it's weird. Dave, you can tell Dave never put one hundred percent into that song. He put a lot into Panama. He put a lot into Hot for Teacher. But you can tell that that uh, Jump was not one of his favorites. One of those weird things. But it's, it was obvious. But when you look back Yet at... Yet he's a huge fan of Oh Pretty Woman? I, I don't know. I can't say yay or nay. I mean, Pop, he was. I mean, he, yeah. But, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, that, the complexity of Oh Pretty Woman isn't really there. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a cover i don't know what went on in the van halen camp when that when diver down came out i, I don't want to well, s- well dave dave liked to do a lot of the uh um like vegas kind of feel you know he he, he wanted to be what, what do you call like a crooner you yeah, know yeah, that's yeah he was definitely a crooner and and he liked to do covers he liked to do you know songs like that so when I, I I always kind of dismissed Diver Down when I when I was collecting the albums and listening to them, it was always one that was just kind of there. I didn't even really consider it like a real album because it was just all covers. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a tough one, but they got like I said, they have some good moments of their own songs, but you know, it was one of those things where it was it was collectively you know more covered than than new, and and that's that's a tough one. Although they did a great version of all the covers that are on there. No, they did. Definitely. Cause I, I but, like their version of dancing in the streets much better than I think what Mick Jagger put, put a version out, you know, um, I pretty woman. I mean, it's almost become a standard for them as far as a radio staple type of thing. Yeah. No, pretty. I mean, I am saying it's not a good song. It's just, to me, it's not that far of a stretch from a song like jump or, I mean, musically. Yes. It's, it's, it's a bit different. I mean, the, the 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 actual instrumentation is different, mm-hmm. but lyrically, I mean, it's about as as deep. <laughs> so, diver down aside, you look at songs off of Fair Warning, Women and Children First, and Women and Children First is a weird album to me, but yet yeah, it's got some really cool songs. It, I'm to a me, big fan of that album, to be honest. It yeah. was one that took time to grow on me you're not a big fan of it no i i'm i am a big oh, okay. fan of that album yeah it, it took it took a lot of time for it to grow on me because it was another one that i kind of dismissed because you know the first two uh van halen van halen 2 are such straightforward rockers mm-hmm. you know there there there's no question of what the album is you're getting what you see you know you're getting a just a straight ahead rocker but this one had a little bit more experimentation, you know, songs like Tora Tora, Romeo Delight, and even in the Cradle of Rock had some really interesting elements to them that they were definitely experimenting more with. 
Yeah, it, it, it's definitely. But if you listen to it as a whole, I mean, it's like, man, were they freaking high the entire time they did this? Absolutely. It's <laughs> just some weird <laughs> crap on there. But I, there's a lot of songs. I mean, I love and the Cradle of Rock. I love Everybody Wants Some. I love uh, Take Your Whiskey. Oh, yeah, Take Your Whiskey Home. Love that song. Uh, but, but could this be Magic and Ice Cream Man off the first album? Those are Dave Crooney, you know, Vegas showroom kind of songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dave re-recorded um, Ice Cream Man in a different way for his solo stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, I'm not going to say no, but at least Could This Be Magic was a Van Halen song. They wrote it themselves, at least. Yeah. But for me, and I, as much as I made a mistake buying the album Van Halen 2, I'm going to go out there with this one. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to defend it to the, to, the, to the death. Van Halen 2 is the best Van Halen album of the, of the original six. From beginning to end, none of the albums hold anything compared to Van Halen 2. That's my opinion. Okay. Well, I'm, oh. I'm curious. What is your uh, opinion? What, what is the, the best of the Sammy era? To me, the best of the Sammy era is probably 5150. Okay. I think it, it starts off, you know, really good with with good enough. It, it's it's a great way to introduce Sammy to Van Halen fans. Obviously, why can't this be love? Was a huge song for them. Uh, like I said, I, you know, we, I call it the Giggle Stick song. But you know, it was an expansion of of them. You know, with from jump from jump to why can't this be love? You can see that. Eddie was given his freedom to write a song with keyboard. And, and it's funny, as, as Sammy has said himself, and, and Eddie has said it himself, all the songs, or a lot of the songs that he's written with Van Halen, even in the Dave era, all those songs were on piano. But he converted them to guitar. He arranged them for guitar, yeah. Right. You know, so, yeah. He arra- um, so, I don't necessarily agree with your with your opinions but i mean i i get them i i, I love van halen too it's a great album my pick of the of the david era would be uh 1984 and then 5150 is is definitely the best of uh the the, the sammy era for sure and, and the reason why i don't pick 51 um, excuse me the reason why i don't pick 1984 as the best of the of the Dave era, of the original Dave era, is because there's nine songs in that album, okay? One of which is essentially an instrumental. So there's eight. To me, as as good and as much of a hit single jump was, I mean, to me, most of the songs on Van Halen 2 are better than Jump. You know, Panama... Yeah, pa- Panama and, and no, Hot pa- for Teacher. Panama and Hot for Teacher, awesome. I take nothing away from those two songs, but you know, and I'll wait was a good, was a good ballad. But when you think about it, I mean, again, not taking anything top Jimmy's a cool song, but there are better songs. Drop that leg. Cool song, but there are better Van Halen songs. Girl gone bad. There are definitely better Van Halen songs (laughs) than that, you know? (laughs) So as a collective to me, when you, when you, when you're talking about Van Halen two. I mean, Van Halen 1, to me, is better than 1984. But Van Halen 2, as a collective, I mean, to me, from beginning to end, rocks. The only, To me, the only downside to Van Halen 2 is is the first song, You're No Good. You know, and that's not even their song. So that, that goes to show you. But Dance the Night Away, Somebody Get Me a Doctor, Bottoms Up, Out of Love Again, Light Up the Sky, DOA, Women in Love, Beautiful Girls, all those songs are just I mean, they're all awesome. Yeah, they're great from beginning to end. Yeah, exactly. So, and Spanish Fly showed Eddie could do something different than Eruption, which was amazing when you think about it. He comes out with Eruption and he creates this newfound guitar style with the hammer-ons and, and the crazy speed at which he plays. And then comes out with Spanish Fly and basically reinvents the wheel all over again. Because now he's doing stuff on one, he's using two hands on a, an acoustic guitar and making it sound like there's, you know, like three or four guitar players playing. He, he again 
breaks the barriers. So that that was a pretty to me that whole album is just awesome. Uh, you know that's a that's a fair argument for the day the Dave era because it's not just about who was the front man; it's about everything they were doing. Right. But that being said, I mean that that kind of brings up the point of every Sammy album was a number one hit. And I think that's because the era in which those songs came out. Okay, he they put out ballads. First six didn't put out ballads, so they didn't have that crossover appeal. They had the girls come to the concerts because those were the party girls. Those are the ones that were you know getting drunk and partying and wanted to bang Dave. Well, is it, aren't those? I mean, well, well, no, because then when, what happens is when you get the ballads, you get the girls to the shows, but they're not necessarily the ballad. I mean, the the party girls. They are all the girls. So you get more. So they they expanded the horizons. That's why those albums went to number one. That's why I mean, all the songs. It, it I guess the songs in the Sammy era appealed to a larger crowd. And I don't take anything away from that era of Van Halen doing what they did. Because it, it, it worked. It gave them four number one albums. You know, Van Halen was their shit in those days. But Sam, Van Halen was a shit with, with Dave. Again, my opinion is I like the first six. And, you know, because I want to be entertained beginning to end. And to me... That's the way that was. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I mean, and and to be honest, three out of the four Sammy Hagar albums, um, I can listen to from beginning to end. I, I I'm a huge you, fan of Balance. Are you really? Like, but balance is very underrated. You it's, know, it, I, I listened to I, I listened to it very quickly. You know, I went through you know a few seconds of every song just before we did the show today. It's got two really good songs. To me, Can't Stop Loving You and Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do are great Van Halen songs. But to me, the middle of the album gets lost. Uh, there's two instrumentals on the album. Uh, or actually, three. When you think about it. You know, Strung Out, Doing Time, and whatever the Balochitatarium is. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, I mean, what... what is that just were they trying to just show off different things that they could do with with those instrumentals? I mean, was it you know, Sammy couldn't think of anything? I, I don't know. I I mean, I don't think it had anything to do with Sammy. I think it had to do with with Eddie. Eddie, right? I mean, Eddie is a bit of a control freak. So <laughs> exactly at the end at the end of the day, he's going to put out what he wants to put out, and that was kind of the what happened with humans being for the Twister soundtrack was. He wasn't satisfied with uh, what what really anyone else was doing, and he wanted full creative control. So he rewrote the lyrics. He he did a, a bunch of things that really broke up the band at that point. But you um, know what? He did he did it for the right reasons because you know what? Eddie was out of his mind. You know, I mean, Eddie as much as a musical genius as Eddie is, he hampered himself throughout all that latter the balance era and then, you know, getting rid of Sammy and bringing Dave back and getting rid of Dave and bringing Sammy back. And that whole period, he was out of his mind, you know, and, and he couldn't, he, he couldn't, he wasn't satisfied with anything. And, and it shows because that's why Sammy took over. That was his nail in the coffin. But you know what? It, it worked. That's a damn good song. Humans being. Humans being is great. Yes. It's unfortunate that, that, Eddie lost his mind because it's a great song and it's a great continuation of what they were doing. I don't, I don't agree that, you know, it loses its itself in the middle because I mean, not enough, which I know you haven't listened to still (laughs) is, is a fantastic song. It's a, it's a ballad. It is. Okay. But, but it takes time to build up and it's one of those songs that it starts slow and then it hits almost a roar in the middle where it's just, it it's very emotional. It's a very nice song and everything in the middle. I mean, there's a lot more jazz influence on this album. 
and that's that's what I like about it too. I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Your your background in music is different than my background, mm-hmm. and as much as I I can be very eclectic when it comes to different things that I like, what what ends up happening is with certain things that you or me or whoever listens to certain things that people listen to will uh will dictate how they like a song or why they like a song or yeah. what or what attracts them to a song you know much like i can't stand a matter of life and death from iron maiden <laughs> except for the first two songs you know you and and a, and a plethora of other people like it there it, it's there's something about the songs there's something about the songwriting um that album doesn't do it for me Although, like I said, Can't Stop Loving You and Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do to Me, great, amazing songs. I felt You need to listen to Not Enough as well. I'll listen to it again. I mean, I heard the beginning of it. I moved it to the middle, and I was like, oh, okay, it's it's a ballad. What what bugged me was like, okay, so Seventh Seal comes out. It's it's an okay song. When I, when I, when I look at certain oh, I songs. I love that song. <laughs> see, to me, it's a song. It's a, it's a, it's a good intro song. But is it a is it, is it a song that's going to grab you? And to open up an album, I like songs that grab you. Uh, but this is, this is a different era. I mean, and and this is what it boils down to is the difference between Dave and Sammy was this was a move towards musical maturity, whereas the first you know the the, the Dave era was all about catchiness, mm-hmm. and 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 catchy music isn't uh, isn't. You know, it appeals to the masses, obviously, and that's that's kind of it's it's interesting to to bring up because we've we've touched on the fact that the Sammy Hagar era was more appealing to the masses. Well, this album is not just appealing to the ma- masses. This is just musical maturity. Okay, I, I can I can see that side of it, but when you look at the first three albums that they did with Sammy, okay, good enough. It's got a good hook. Why can't this be love? Got a good hook. Mm-hmm. Dreams is a hit single because it's got a good hook. Summer Nights, it, although the verses are okay because it kind of has weird interludes, the chorus is got the hook. Okay. Oh yeah, it definitely does. So the whole album is full of hooks. OU812, as off as it is in terms of overallness, you know, finish what you started has a good hook. It's got a good groove. Black and Blue, the, the the chorus, is even though the song is not amazing, it's got a good hook when it's love. Cabo Wabo, they're, they're hooks. It's the one thing that I always argue about is the songs with the hooks. For unlawful carnal knowledge, <laughs> I want to use the acronym, but I can't. Um, <laughs> Pound Cake, Judgment Day, Spanked, Run Around, Right Now. All those songs have great hooks to them. But what what happens is when you get to musical maturity, somehow, some way, people lose the hook. The hook is there for Can't Stop Loving You. The hook is there for Don't Tell Me. It's a different kind of hook. Um, but, you know, to me, the rest of the... I mean, I wrote down filler, filler, filler for a bunch of songs because to me, they weren't up to, to par with what they had done in the past. But that's that's my opinion. You like the album. I I, mean, I like those two songs. Yeah, I definitely think Up to Par is a, is a not a fair assessment, but I think I think the songwriting is stronger and these there's there's a I guess it, it when some people have a certain musical ear, they hear like musicians ear they hear a song where there's this musical complexity. There's there's um, there's interweaving rhythms. There's 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 something more there than just the the poppy, catchy tune, and that it's 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 activating more parts of the brain. It's it's exciting in a different way, and that's what I love about this album. Is it's is it's Eddie pushing himself further than he had been. And unfortunately, it's also what what ended up being the cause of the breakup of the band. You know, not this specifically, but them them reaching that point where Eddie's really not going to be satisfied with what anybody else is doing. No, Eddie, Eddie, yeah, I mean Eddie's not satisfied, but which is weird because the one person that could 
that could help the most with that is Sammy. Yeah. You know, I, you know, there's also part of it. I believe Sammy was going through some personal issues at the time of this album. And so this is yeah. a, this is a relatively dark album term lyrically, you know, for Sammy. I mean, even he has come out and said it's not his favorite Van Halen album because it's, yeah. it is so dark. Um, I mean, don't tell me what love can do. The, the title doesn't even describe or even remotely come close to what the song content or the lyrical content is in the background. That mm-hmm. is a deep and heavy song. It really is. I love that song. Love that song. I mean, every time I hear that song, I crank my stereo up as loud as it could possibly go and open the window so everyone else can hear it too. <laughs> <laughs> and that song, you know, so that, that song kind of to me is the epitome of where Sammy was during that album. Yeah. So yeah, in, in a way, maybe because Eddie took over and, and Eddie was so so controlling, that's why certain thing you know, that's why there are three instrumentals on the album. I mean they're band instrumental. I think one of them is a, is a, is is an Eddie instrumental and the other two are band instrumentals. Similar in vein to Source of Affection where they're just going off doing whatever the hell they want to do. But that's where Things started to go. Obviously, they went sideways for the band, and yeah. they 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 went their separate ways after. But again, for whatever you know, for whatever reason, I don't know who influences Eddie besides the drugs to say, "Oh, I want Dave back." What what can Dave bring to the table that Sammy can't? You know, that's a good question. I mean, that, I mean, what, as much as I see. defend Dave, as much as I love that era better than the Sammy era, in a nutshell. Why is it that we don't have Van Halen today with Sammy Hagar? What is it about Dave that Eddie so desires? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. It's an unanswered question because then he fires Sammy, uh, fires Dave after one, two songs or whatever it is. Hires, didn't even fire him. It was worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, didn't call him. <laughs> hey, yeah. Sam's back. And then Sam's fired again, along with Mike. Poor Mike. The guy doesn't do anything wrong. He he just he's along for the ride for everything, and then he gets screwed out of everything. I mean, the guy doesn't even get money anymore from the from the from the band. I mean, it's 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 pathetic. Yeah, you know, it's and you pre- know, it's pretty disgusting. Honestly, oh, it, I mean, to me, Eddie doing what he did to Michael is is like one of those unforgivable things. I mean, this is a guy who all he does, all he does is support. Anything and everything that, that that his band or his people do, he's been one hundred percent behind Van Halen. You know, he was he's he's basically Sammy Hagar's best friend, and he's out there just trying to have a good time. He doesn't care. You know, he's obviously made plenty of money and he doesn't need it, but it's still messed up that he lost the rights to Van Halen songs because you know you want to play in a tour, you got to give up all your rights, and so he did. Just because Sammy's like, hey, I really want you to play. I'll pay for you. I'll pay a portion of my stuff. I'll pay. But that doesn't that doesn't do anything. You lost all the rights to the songs. I mean, it sucked to to know yeah. that. It's it, man. Yeah. I mean, I get I get the whole fact that he wants Wolfie to play. I get that completely. But you don't have to screw him out of his what what's rightfully his. What's rightfully his? You know what he contributed to for years, right? And built up the sound of Van Halen wouldn't be Van Halen without Michael's backing vocals. I don't I don't care what anyone says. Oh no, even more so. All the the Sammy era for Van Halen wouldn't be the Sammy era without Michael because of the way Sammy and Michael sing together. Cause you can hear it on the circle stuff. You can hear it on the chicken foot stuff. Those you two, can, but you can hear it during the Dave era stuff too. I mean, all his the backing vocals, the entire Van Halen catalog, that sound is Michael's voice. Oh yeah. But, but when, when Sammy came into the band, it, 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 it went up another level. And yeah. it's amazing. The, 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 those two voices together are incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, obviously, yeah, he did, all, he did the backing vocals for, for the Dave era, and it, and it sounds great. But it went up, not one level, two. I mean, it just went up yeah, went significantly. Well, because well, my, I mean, because Sammy pushed for Dave to have a, uh, not Dave, I'm sorry. Because Sammy pushed for Michael to have a bigger role, too. Yeah. 
because they you know, were buddies. He, when he, he came, would write songs, he would include harmonies. He would include parts that, uh, you know, exemplified that that really fresh sound, that really unique sound. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a Van Halen sound because it's it's definitely missing on a different kind of truth. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Eddie thinks he is, but he he has nothing to do with those background vocals. His voice is nothing. It's 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 Michael and Sammy, and even yeah. Michael and Dave. I mean, as a collective, the metaphor, the, the you know, Mike, Eddie, Dave, Alex, they did some good background vocals as a collective, but it doesn't yeah. compare to anything from the Sammy era. See, now you're arguing for Sammy. Well, I'm I'm arguing <laughs> I'm, I'm arguing Sammy's era. I'm arguing for certain things. I mean, yes, but I'm not saying I'm still. We'll defend the Dave era because I love. No, 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 I, I know, and, yeah. and and this is a tough argument because I would say overall I like more songs total from the Dave era probably because one there's more <laughs> by default you know and yeah. I, I like so many Van Halen songs, um, but it's just there. I guess it's just a lot of things like what you what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, you lived through the 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 era where you you saw live performances of Van Halen, right? I saw I mean, no. I actually I, the only time I've only seen Van Halen once, and that was with with Sam. <laughs> oh geez, okay, yeah. But I, you still lived through the hype, you know? Oh the, yeah, the, the the videos on MTV. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, but I didn't I didn't live through that. I mean, I was I was born in 1986, so you know, I was born when 5150 came out. Right. I was I was a a, a, a camper in day camp <laughs> during the summers when that came out. <laughs> it was it was weird. I remember all the rumors. I mean, the a, a, an awesome movie that reflects on that is um The Wedding Singer when uh with Adam Sandler. With Adam Sandler when his his uh ex-fiance shows up with the Van Halen song with the Van Halen shirt on. He goes, take that off before you make the band break up. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That's good. Stuff. Um, yes, it, it, it all has to do with how you grew up, what you grew up listening to. But then again, again, there's people out there that swear by Paul Diano and don't uh. like Bruce Dickinson. But, you know, that's an argument for another time. It's an existing fact that people will not listen to anything past Paul Diano. And it's it's the same. I mean, there, I, I know people that won't even touch the Sammy Hagar stuff. It won't even listen to it. Oh, yeah. Because no. Dave's not in the band. I just, I don't even get that. Not, not being open to even trying it. I, I, I'll never understand. I, I wonder if they listen to the Gary Sharon stuff. <laughs> Everyone did. I mean, let's just be honest. There's no point to this argument because he's 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 the winner. <laughs> oh, Gary Sharon. Well, he yeah. is the, he is the more classically trained singer. <laughs> Although I, I got to say, you know, talking in, in Gary Sharon's defense, when you listen to the Gary Sharon stuff, he is. If you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of Sammy and you're gonna get someone who can do what Sammy does, Gary Sharon is gonna do that. Okay, he has he's he, got a very similar voice to Sammy. He does, and and there's some some amount of merit to what they did with Van Halen three in some capacity somewhere, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here, but when I listen to that that live recording that just came out recently, the one that was on YouTube that that had Gary as the singer, the one I sent you. Um, I sent you the link to. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I can't remember what concert it was, etc. But it's a live version of, of Gary singing with the band, and it's hard to listen to, in my opinion. Like it's he's he's not very clear he, with it, the, way, the way he sings. He's almost just like slurring his words. He's and, the epitome between Dave and Sam. He does what Dave does, which is basically give you half the words, but he can sing. He can sing the same register that, that Sammy can sing. I, I think that's that's a good good description of what it was because it was just like, what am I listening to here? Yeah, it, it was kind of weird, but 
it, they still they were playing well. It oh was, yeah, the, the 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 music itself was fantastic, honestly. Yes. So to to sum up the the two eras to me, in my opinion, the Dave era was party songs. They were full of energy, and it was a reflection of who David Lee Roth and the, the band were at the time. The Sammy era. What? Hard partying. Yeah, hard partying. Now, mind you, as you can tell by by what what they talk about and 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 the 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 lifestyle that they led, they the hard partying continued even with Sam. But somehow, oh for sure, somehow, Sam is is uh, very attuned to his body. I guess you could say he he never let the the dark side of of the industry, the drugs and alcohol. He never succumbed to that. As much as he did him, he never succumbed to it. Unfortunately, Eddie did. As a comparison, if you're a wrestling fan, I would compare it to uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. Scott Hall really indulged in everything, and everything that you it like. If if Scott Hall did it to level ten, Kevin Nash did it to level four. Right. He did the drugs. He did the partying. He just never let it consume him. Right. You, there's there's a level of, of control that you, you get to a certain point and you say, you know what, you know it's time to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Now, the Sammy era, the Sammy era was the era of maturity, even though they partied a lot, okay? But you had a guy, you got more mature lyrics, you got more mature songwriting, and it showed, and it expanded their horizons. So, obviously by bringing Sammy in, it was able to bring this, this whole nother audience to the band. That's why they went number one, those, all those times, but definitely to, a wider breadth of, of a catalog. Correct. So, you know, my preference is for not be in funny things. Cause I'm not a party guy. I'm not a partier. I, you know, I don't go out and get drunk every weekend. I don't drink on a regular basis at all. And I, ne- I didn't do it back then. I probably did less drinking back then than I do now. <laughs> I drink more beer than I, now than I did back then. But I drink more than I did back then, but back then I was a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the 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 Dave era. As much as as much as I'm a I'm a straight edge kind of guy back in that day, I enjoyed that or enjoy that more than I do the Sammy stuff. And that's just my side of it. Everyone has a different side and perspective. And that's that's fair. I, on the other hand, um, I it's funny. I, I love the David Lee Roth era. There's no denying that. I love it. Um, I love all those songs. But I also love that Sammy could sing those songs. I, I mean, I... I I love his catalog of music as as a whole. I love the Red Rocker. I loved what he did with Montrose. As a whole, as a collective, I just enjoy that era of the band more. Fair enough. Now, I got to say, as as a when when Sammy looks back at the the totality of his career, it's a pretty freaking cool career. Oh yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. All right. Well, that brings us to our big four Van Halen songs. We've been talking about them all night. So I'm going to go ahead and turn the microphone over to you, Chris, (laughs) and let you tell us your big four Van Halen songs. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a surprise because all four songs were off of Van Halen 3. (laughs) 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 No, um... (laughs) All right, so I'm going to start number four with Unchained. Ooh. So, a David Lee Roth era song. It's just fun. It's a, it's a hard rocker, but it, it there it's one of those classic party moments in the middle, you know, where he's talking to the uh, the producer on the other end of the line uh, during the recording of the song. I mean, it's it's just it's the epitome of the party era of of Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And party era is kind of like, that's almost all of it. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. The party vibe, I guess, right. is more more what I mean. Um, 
So number three is fifty one fifty. I love that song. Really? I remember I remember putting in the DVD for Live Without a Net, and it it plays on a loop the uh, the riff from fifty one fifty. It's just such a cool song, and it, it it's a great ending to the album too. You know, it's not it's not the the very last song, but it's it's that cap that really, you know, like. Uh, What's the what's the final song on fifty one fifty? Inside, inside, right? But that's that's just kind of like the afterthought, you know, like the this is the you know the end of the party kind of thing. So yeah, fifty one fifty is the end of the concert, and inside is the song that you go home to to the parking lot that they're playing on tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so fifty one fifty is just that that awesome rocker song, but it but it also has like that that metal sound to it that that really Van Halen didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So that's my number three. Number two, um, Can't Stop Loving You. Uh, I, I tried to say at the beginning when we were first talking about this, I tried to throw you off by saying I didn't have anything off of balance, but, <laughs> but I, I, I did. I mean, um, Can't Stop Loving You is one of those songs that I, I heard the first time and it just it hit me on several levels. And uh, I remember being on a, 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 a road trip at one point, singing this song and just like seeing the, the scenery. And in, in, I believe I was in Dallas at the time and, uh, you know, just seeing all the all the trees and everything. And it was just one of those moments that, you know, you you occasionally have in life where you're like, man, this is this is a great song. You know, this is a great moment. It's just it's a it's one of my favorites. And number one is going to be against my pick is going to be jump. <laughs> really? And, and the reason jump is my number one song is because uh, it, it has just a, a special has a, a special. Um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Place in your heart. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it has a special place in my heart because it's the first song I ever did karaoke. <laughs> Cool. Um, All right. Me, me being a shy guy growing up, I went to a party, and one of the requirements at the party was doing karaoke. And I'm going through this list of 300 songs or something like that, and it's all just stinkers and stuff that I, I don't know these songs. And I get to jump, and I'm like, I know that. I can sing jump. So I picked that song, and from that point on, it was just something that always stuck with me. It was just such a such a good song that, yeah, it appeals to everyone. And like you said, the lyrics aren't the most difficult, or or you know, they're not they're not really deep whatsoever. But it's just a great song. Fair enough, man. I, I I'm not going to argue with that. That that you know, when when a song has a special meaning to you or a special place in your heart, there's nothing that tops it at all. And yeah. and that's that's really cool. Like I said, I have I I have my reasons for certain things. You got yours, and that that's a that's a really cool reason. I mean, I'll I'll go with that every day of the week. All right. All right well, so what you got? So my big four Van Halen songs, a little different than yours, and that's as it, it much like yours. It's a split fifty fifty between the two singers. But my number four song is "Up for Breakfast" from the Best of Both Worlds uh, compilation. That song. <laughs> that song, that song is is as as innuendo as any of the other songs previous, um, if not more. If not more, but it, at the same time, it's not subtle either. <laughs> yeah. It is is got every cliched uh, uh, innuendo song, phrase in there. I love the song. It actually, for a while when I first heard it, I always got confused with that and why can't this be love because it has a very similar giggle stick intro, but. It's got a killer riff, and then when the, the lyrics come in, Sammy just he does a great job on it. Number three, and the mixing's really nice on that song too. The what is? I love how he- the mixing. Uh huh. I, I love how heavy it is. Oh yeah, it's 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 a cool. I mean, one thing I got to say about Van Halen from from beginning to now, whatever, is that sound wise, production wise, they never put out a stinker. Uh, yeah. I would say maybe, maybe the closest would be 5150 in terms of production. It might be the worst. But it, even then, that's still a good produ- produced album. 
You know, yeah, what I'm their saying? their worst is better than most people's best. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so number three for me. Now, when you brought up Unchained as your number four, there I love the song Unchained. It would probably be my like honorable mention kind of song. Mm-hmm. But um, another song off that same album, and I don't know what it is about that song, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I am a bass player. Uh, for for even though I'm not I'm an inactive bass player right now, I love the bass line too. So this is love, and that's my number three song. I love that song. It's just it's got such a cool groove to it that I you know I put that I put that as my number three song. Nice number two. Don't tell me what love can do from the Balance album. Like I said, love that song. Crank it to 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 a hundred every time I hear it. Open the windows. Make sure everyone else can join in with me. Love, love, love that song. Number one. And this one this one gets cranked up there to 100 as well. Mean Street. That song is, to me, amazing. I, that is my favorite top to bottom. However many songs Van Halen has done, that's going to be my number one song. Every time. Love that song. So there you go. All right. <laughs> There is my big four Van Halen songs. All right. So that's the end of our big four. And that means that's the end of debating metal. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Podbean, or wherever you consume your metal podcasts. If you enjoyed our show and agreed with our opinions, or just want to rip us a new one, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And you can email us at debatingmetal at gmail.com on behalf of Kenneth Dean. This is Chris K. We'll see you next week. See ya.